0: how's everybody doing welcome back to the banker next door i am your host dr joe Burquist. Uh, so we're bringing you back for another banking update this week i'm going to be going rapid fire here just running through a whole bunch of things and i'm just going to bring up my little screen here to help uh, guide us along as we as we go through here so let's get in here and start plowing through some of this stuff so jp morgan chase is decided to reshuffle some of its top management in which industry observers deem as a step to gauge who could potentially succeed. CEO Jamin Diamond, the longest serving CEO of a U.S. mega bank. Um, so they moved a couple people around and let's see here. And, and basically, uh, you know, a couple of these people will probably be vying for that CEO spot at the end when they're done. Uh, let's see here. Wells Fargo board gave CEO Charles Schaaf, uh, 29 million total pay for 2023 up from 24.6 million in 2022, deciding that he had done a good job for them. Um, the federal reserve bank, they have their, what's called their term funding program. The BTFP will expire on March 11th. As scheduled, the central bank said in a January 24th release, the program will continue until that time and is available as an additional source of liquidity for eligible institutions. Additionally, the Fed raised the rate on loans issued to banks under the program through its expiration effective immediately to ensure that the BTFP continues to support the goals of the program and the current interest rate environment. The central bank said, all other terms remain unchanged. Now, if you remember, I had kind of talked about this uh, I think it was last week where um, I showed an article, I think I did like a Fed update episode where I showed an article where basically banks were co- committing a little bit of um, arbitrage uh, using the, the difference in the interest rate on the BTFP versus where rates were actually at. That's what prompted the uh, the Fed to change that rate so that basically banks weren't, you know, just borrowing and and getting a much better rate than they, they otherwise would. Um, but here's the thing. This program is set to expire on March 11th. Um, and then I did, I want to read, uh, da, 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 da. let's see here. Does it give any balances? Yeah. The BTFP borrowings amounted to 167 billion compared with 161 billion in the week ending January 17th. So borrowings from the discount window totaled 2.79 billion versus roughly 2.3 billion a week ago. Um so you could see, I mean, those, those balances are not insignificant on this, on this program. And I just wonder if, you know, we're going into a, you know, in other words, are, are, are we setting ourselves up for an issue here in in the banking industry? I mean, I just, if it was me, I would probably feel better if the, the fed probably extended the, uh, the BTFP program through the rest of this year. Um, and just you know kind of played out to see what happens but at the same time also looking at banks and basically saying hey if you don't need to borrow this money right now you know pay it back pay it down let's get those balances back down but but still leaving the facility open that just in case something does happen you know banks would be able to go grab that in a pinch so um okay bank of america corp this is very interesting has sent letters of education To employees not following its return to office mandate, warning them of future disciplinary action on failure to follow the workplace excellence expectations. This was reported by the Financial Times. Um, That's very interesting because, as we all know, the whole remote work phenomenon has caught on. But obviously, companies throughout kind of 2023 were really trying to get employees back in the office. But, you know, we're, we're kind of stalling out on that. Uh, But it looks like Bank of America is starting to get a little bit more uh, a little bit more serious with that. So um, on another note, uh, the U.S. SEC adopted new rules and amendments to ensure that U.S. special purpose acquisition companies, the uh, SPAC, if everybody remembers that from a few years ago, they kind of had the, the, the SPAC craze. Um, and their acquisition targets to take on enhanced disclosure requirements in initial public offerings and subsequent merger transactions. The new rules, uh, among other things, require enhanced disclosures about conflicts of interest, SPAC sponsor compensation, dilution and other information important to investors in SPAC IPOs and de-SPAC transactions. So I think that's a good thing. And we'll see where that leads. Um Bank of America Corp. is cutting jobs within its investment bank. Um, This is interesting. Grayscale Investments led the fight for the Bitcoin exchange-traded fund that forced U.S. regulators to finally allow these to be offered to everyday investors. But... The crypto asset manager has so far been a loser since their launch, the Wall Street Journal reported. So grayscale Bitcoin trust has seen outflows of $2.8 billion since it converted into an ETF on January 11th, the report stated, citing Bloomberg intelligence data through January 19th. In contrast, nine newly launched spot Bitcoin ETFs have drawn about $4 billion in inflows within their first six trading days with funds from BlackRock, and Fidelity Investments garnering over $1 billion each. So that's interesting. Um, another more little more uh, crypto news. So cryptocurrency exchange platform EDX Markets plans to open an exchange in Singapore following fresh financing from Pantera Capital Management and existing investor Sequoia Capital. Bloomberg News reported, citing EDX Markets CEO Jamil Nazarali, The New Jersey... The, the New, uh, Jersey City, New Jersey based firm plans to expand abroad and offer spot and perpetual futures amid renewed investor interest driven by the recent U.S. approval of spot Bitcoin exchange traded funds. Well, we've seen how some of these crypto exchanges have gone with some other things. So we'll see how that continues to play out. Uh, Swedish buy now, pay later firm Klarna, Klarna Bank. They soon launch an initial public offering in the u.s bloomberg news reported citing a video interview with their ceo the ceo said the u.s is a natural choice for an ipo since it is the firm's largest market by revenue so i think yeah i need i think i need to do a an episode on the buy now pay later stuff i think that's a that's an important thing we kind of saw over the last holiday season this kind of explosion in the the buy now pay later so Okay, so we talked about Grayscale, Bank of America since warning letters. Okay, so regional banks had another ugly quarter. I kind of reported on this last week, but then here are just some more numbers for everybody to kind of think about here. So profits dropped sharply at regional banks in the fourth quarter, including at the bigger ones that have generally fared better than their smaller peers. Net income was down roughly 90 percent from a year earlier at at around 70 percent. At and at more than 40% one to a loss. Um, mid-sized players also struggled. Net income was down around 90% and at 50%. That doesn't make sense. Uh again, <laughs> basically, yeah, their, their net income with for these small and mid-sized players was down roughly 90%. Um even if the Fed cuts rates, it would take time for banks to feel it. Regional banks of all sizes forecast that net interest income, the difference between what a bank earns on loans and pays out on deposits would decline for the full year. Large banks and small have had to shell out more interest to yield hungry depositors, but it is harder for regional and community banks to absorb those costs than for mega banks, whose scale and diversity help them navigate good times and bads. So in other words, uh, banks had banks had to pay out more money on deposits, effectively. They had to pay more interest. For now, regional banks have have sought to shrink themselves back to health as they face steep deposit and technology costs, as well as potentially tougher regulations. Um, Many this past quarter had to set aside hundreds of millions of dollars each for special FDIC fees, which go toward a fund used to make uninsured depositors whole. That's called the FDIC Insurance Fund. Um, That's FDIC insurance. Um, A number of them also took big severance charges to cut staff stash away money for potential loan losses so regional banks hold large concentrations of commercial real estate A concern after the pandemic left many offices vacant so that's critical for a number of things there for for a second so so number one um if the regional banks if they're laying people off they're shrinking their balance sheet that means they're not lending money and that means there's a lot of customers out there that are not able to get the funds that they need right now to invest in new projects, you know, go purchase new properties for growth, um, bring new product lines onto the market, et cetera, et cetera. So, uh, you know, that's definitely going to have an effect on the economy this year. And we're going to have to see how that uh, plays out. So um, GDP, I want to talk about GDP here in a second. Um but let's come out. I'm going to come back to GDP at the end here for a second. So um, a couple of interesting things on the commercial real estate front. So I got an article here that basically says record volume of office to apartment conversions is in the pipeline, but how many will become reality? So between 2021 and 2024, the number of apartments scheduled for conversion from office space has grown from 12,000 to 55,000. Um, That means office conversions represent 38% of the estimated 147,000 apartments in adaptive reuse projects. Um, That's a ton of stuff. And it basically questions you how many of these projects will become reality. Um, My understanding is that most commercial office buildings are not designed to be converted to apartments. And basically that would cost them a huge amount of money to do so. And a lot of times that cost is prohibitive. So we'll have to keep an eye on that. Um, next thing, wave of lease expirations, loan maturities to compound office market challenges. So, um, and in this article, we can see that, uh, lease expirations by market, the number one market rate now for lease expirations is new, basically the New York North, North Jersey market, which is huge. There's, you know, a, a giant amount, you know, um, of office space that's basically going to come do there. Second largest is basically the Long Island, Long, Los Angeles, Long Beach, Santa Ana, you know, area of California. Followed by Chicago. Followed by Philadelphia. Followed by Washington D.C. Followed by San Francisco, and then Dallas, and then Houston, and Detroit, and Seattle, and so on. Um, so basically, all your you know, all your big time major cities. Are going to see a huge amount of office space come back on the market here in the next couple of years. And that is going to put a tremendous amount of downward pressure on commercial real estate. If you want to see a little, learn a little bit more about that, go look at some of my, uh, go look at some of my episodes on on commercial real estate. And let's do, 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 okay, let's go to the next screen here. Okay, so update uh, DR Horton. Um, this is just kind of interesting to note. So, home building, home builder stocks lost ground Tuesday after DR Horton Inc. missed profit estimates, citing incentives and lower prices it offered to draw in buyers. So, basically, DR Horton was trying to give a whole bunch of incentives out there, and it really hurt their profit margins uh, as they try to get people to to kind of keep keep sales kind of rolling. Um, okay, here. Bankers expect only slight relief on deposit pricing in 2024 as per an S&P global survey. So bankers expect little relief on deposit pricing in 2024, despite the two to three rate cuts projected uh, on federal funds rate this year. The proportion of bankers expecting a decline in deposits at their institutions over the next 12 months fell to the lowest level in S&P's first five surveys and expectations for loan growth increased for the third quarter in a row. So they are, you know, banks are are expecting there to be more loan growth, but um, they're basically saying they're not expecting a whole lot of relief on on the deposit end in terms of what they're paying out for interest and what they're paying out for deposit rates basically. So um, holidays, let's see here. So the holidays saw a boost in December US retail spending. So I, you know, I I always find this interesting. You know, first of all, people always spend money at the holidays. Uh, you're always going to see a boost in spending there. But here's the big thing. Um, and I did an episode on like credit card debt, and then so you saw over the holidays an explosion in, in credit card spending and buy now pay later spending. Um, but the question is, you know, how much were people actually buying when you when you factor in the cost of inflation on a lot of products and stuff that were out there? you know, were they, were they really buying more or was it just the overall price of things that were up? Um, you know, and I keep talking about, you know, there is an effect that comes out when you have, um, when you have a lot of inflation, there, there's this effect, this psychological effect on people. They're going to buy things today because you're afraid that the price is going to go up tomorrow. And that, you know, will get people a lot of out buying stuff, And so I I think it's kind of like a false positive when you look at it and you're like, oh, well, spending is up. The consumer's out there spending and it's all great and everything like that. Well, uh, you know, yeah, I think there's some underlying issues there under the hood, so to speak, that we need to to take a look at. So, okay. U.S. banks find some unlikely allies in the Basel III fight, so consumer groups, non-bank sectors, and bipartisan legislators have joined the course of pushback against the Basel III endgame proposal. Uh, Comments for the Basel III rule proposal flooded in ahead of the January 16th deadline set by the Federal Reserve Board, the FDIC, and uh, the OCC. As expected, the banking industry put pressure on regulators to scrap the proposal, arguing that it will raise the cost of lending and push customers outside of the banking system and that higher risk weights would inhibit banks trading and other activities. But unlikely allies also join banks in their fight against the proposal, including over uh, two dozen consumer groups, industries such as energy and insurance and legislators from both sides of the aisle. So. um, The Basel III, the quote unquote, the Basel III endgame was uh, basically capital and liquidity rules. They were trying to put on primarily regional banks, uh, banks that had more than like $100 billion in assets. And this was going to dramatically increase a lot of the capital that they were going to have to keep on hand. uh, Thus, i.e. why what we just talked about with the regional banks kind of shrinking uh, for new capital rules. This is what they were talking about. So um, I, I think the proposal was just not well thought out um i think there were a couple of good things in there but i think the the kind of bad outweighs the good so i think they they should go back and look at that proposal again and and maybe rethink some of these things and how they're going to implement them so hopefully some more work will come out of that so okay so what do i got here where are we at here um Oh, okay. I wanted, to, okay. I wanted to talk about a couple of things. Just want to talk about what was kind of upcoming. What's on the docket for next week? Okay, so we got the Jolt's job openings. Uh, they're going to be on Tuesday morning. We also got the CB Consumer Confidence Report. It's going to be on Tuesday. On Wednesday, we got the ADP Non-Farm uh, Employment Change. We got the FOMC statement, the F- the Fed interest rate decision, and the FOMC press conference my guess is january they're, they're not going to make any changes they're going to hold everything steady and they're going to say we're going to continue to monitor the situation and see what happens and then we'll come back to you guys in march at our next meeting and let you know what we're going to do and i i'm thinking that's pretty much what you're going to hear there on wednesday thursday you got the initial jobless claims and then friday we've got a couple other things we've got non-farm payrolls uh labor force participation rate the unemployment rate And then we got Michigan consumer sentiment. So, a lot of economic data. We got the Fed meeting next week. So, a lot of stuff um, going on there. Um, And then let's see here. I wanted to talk real quick. So, just a couple of things cybersecurity things here that I saw on YouTube. So, um, researchers disclosed this, this new Luma Steeler campaign which was being distri- distributed via YouTube. So if you're watching this on YouTube right now, just something to be aware of. Uh, Cyware reports that 40 Guard Labs researchers recently encountered a new, what they're calling a Luma Steeler campaign that leverages YouTube channels for propagation. Uh, the attackers are strategically compromising YouTube accounts and uploading videos that pretend to offer cracked software for legitimate video editing tools, such as Vegas Pro. According to researchers, these videos contain embedded malicious URLs enticing users to download a zip file named installer full, vo- full version v.1f2.zip. Upon downloading the zip file, victims unknowingly initiate a multi-stage attack that ultimately results in the execution of a .NET loader from the GitHub repository and the info stealer in the final stage. The, the .NET loader obfuscated with a smart assembly, employs advanced t- techniques to evade detection. So, in other words, uh, yeah, just be careful if you run across this, like, be careful of anything you might be downloading or anything you're looking at. Uh, and just be, you know, just be careful when you're on uh, YouTube. Um, and then this is kind of ishing, it, this is kind of interesting. So, quishing. Is the new phishing? If you know what you know, what phishing is with with um, you know kind of cybersecurity, so they're calling this quishing. So the FSISAC members continue to report quishing incidents. So bad actors are using QR codes to infiltrate mobile devices, which can be more vulnerable than computers. And here's how to protect your employees and your institution. If you see a QR code in an unexpected place, inspect the URL before you open it. If it looks like a URL you recognize, make sure it's not spoofed. Look for misspellings or a switched letter. Don't scan a QR code in an email or text message you weren't expecting, especially if it urges you to act immediately. If you think the message is legitimate, use a phone number or website you know is real to contact the company. And protect your phone and your account. You know, Update your phone's OS to protect against hackers and protect your online accounts with strong passwords and multi-factor authentication. So... So just some um, cybersecurity things to look at. Okay. Last thing here, I want to, um, all right, I need to switch this up. And I want to show you guys this article real quick on GDP. Um, Okay. Let's bring this up here. Okay. So what this is this was from the Wall Street Journal. This was called what recession growth ended up and accelerated in 2023, and we can see here for GDP the U.S. economy grew 3.1 percent over the past year. The Commerce, the Commerce Department said um, to the projected anemic 2 percent growth for the year in 2022. Instead, last year's gain was a sharp pickup from comparable 0.7 percent advance in 2022. Um, the year was capped by a fourth quarter on which the economy grew at 3.3%. So, and now we've got, we could see the chart here, annual change in U S GDP. So we could see here in 2021, it was at uh, 5.4% coming out of COVID, but then we dropped down to 0.7%. And now in 2023, we saw a 3.1% growth for the year. Um, all right, well let that sit for a second. Now let's go down here. So let's look at this. Select components of GDP changed from the fourth quarter a year earlier. So the gray line here is 2022. The, uh, we'll call it the red line here is 2023. You could see here the government spending was up massively in 2023. And this is ultimately what led in part to us having a three point, what was it? 3.1% GDP for the year. Um, you take out that massive spending, we're probably back down to below 2% and it's not looking that great. And so and this is kind of the same thing with the labor force. You know, they, when you look at the labor numbers, it's the government hiring that's driving a lot of stuff right now. I mean, everywhere you look, people are cutting jobs, laying people off left and right. Um, you know, so I just I, I my opinion is I think these GDP numbers are highly suspect because of the government spending and. The government hiring particularly in the labor market if you if you backed out all this government spending that gdp number would come would come way down and thus this thus you also understand why the government wants to keep the spending going right now because they need to keep the economy rolling because that spending gets cut the spending gets rolled back and the economy is going to look horrible basically and then let's go down here. And then this is just a quarterly kind of GDP. And then again, you look at this by quarter. So you got over 2% here, 2%. And then you know, we're just at two, just at two. And then boom, we shoot up here as this, you know, government spending kicks in. So um, so again, just something to just something to look at, something to think about. So Okay, so uh, so that's basically it for this week. I just you know ran through a whole bunch of stuff. I posted a bunch of episodes today, so I hope everybody will go on and kind of check those out. And I look forward to being back and seeing everybody again next week. Have a great week, everyone. And I'll be back with another update uh, for everyone to hopefully get some more banking news here. So, because as I know everybody loves this stuff. <laughs> but uh, have a great week and I'll see everybody again real soon. Thanks a lot.